Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and in today's episode, we're talking with Joshua Long. Joshua is a consultant who focuses on helping B2B companies in the $10 million to $100 million range and uh, helps them kind of break through those revenue plateaus and really unlock rapid growth. Through his experience as an entrepreneur, a marketing director for uh, BBI, which was the company that was owned by Chet Holmes and Tony Robbins. And as a consultant since then, he's developed the bottleneck breakthrough method. And it's really been a a proven method for him to uh, unlock rapid growth for his clients while reducing risk and and, uh, eliminating waste in the process. And so, uh, Josh, really excited to have you here. I know we've been connected I think on LinkedIn yeah, and thanks, Facebook Steve. forever, but uh, it's great to finally talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about what you're doing. I know you've got a book coming out, which we're going to get to. But before we get to all that, can you give everybody a little bit of context about how you got to this point? Yeah. So you just talked about my background with Chet and Tony. And uh, before that, I worked with a guy that you and I think know pretty well named Dan Kennedy. And uh, got into his world with marketing and was an independent business advisor there. So prior to that, I was a mortgage broker, cut my teeth as an entrepreneur with that. And uh, when the rest of or half of the rest of California was in the mortgage industry in the early 2000s. And I just really fell in love with direct marketing when I met Dan and came across his stuff and really connected with Chet. Chet was a direct marketing and sales guy. And from there, Found, obviously, had to shut my mortgage brokerage down with the credit crisis, went to work for Chet after that, and really enjoyed the variety and the challenge of helping business owners grow their business, and small business owners in particular, those that aren't venture-backed, those that uh, aren't a subsidiary of a billion-dollar company that, like Dan's philosophy, you've got to do marketing today that gets a check-in by Thursday to clear for the marketing expense on Friday and where cash flow is king. And so I, I found that working with small business owners with Chet and Tony and those guys was was so fulfilling and went out on my own after that and uh, have noodled around with different ideas. And Jay Abraham was really the one that gave me the, the nugget of the bottleneck breakthrough method, which was getting quick wins. And so when I started looking at business owners and my clients that were coming to me, instead of doing huge overhauls and, and big pivots and uh, rebuilds of their whole business model. It was finding what's already working and tweaking it and getting a quick result that leads to more momentum and energy towards uh, further growth. And so Jay was really pivotal in helping give, give me that nugget. And it's just proven to work. Um, so I've had thankfully had a number of clients that lay their business bare to me and let me just ask lots of questions and be inquisitive and do different tests and, and find out what, what works and what moves the needle for them. Yeah. It's what, what a fantastic approach. And, uh, you know, you've surrounded yourself with, uh, with probably the top thinkers in, in marketing over the last couple of decades. So, um, it was a gift. Yeah. I just stumbled my way into their world. So yeah, <laughs> and they hey. were very generous and gracious with me and I'm very grateful for it. That's great. So, you know, you, you've, you've seen some, some pretty big names, build businesses and been heavily involved in that. And you've also built your own. And as we know, there's a million bumps and and brick walls that get built in our way. What are some of the things that you found to be most effective to power through all of that? 
Yeah, I think, well, with my mortgage brokerage, I got to file bankruptcy at the age of 29. And our oldest was a week old when I met with my bankruptcy attorney in 2008. And so the dark nights that entrepreneurs go through and the sleepless nights and the anxiety and, and all of that, I got in heavy doses early on. And a couple things came out of it is to, as you talk about, to become that unstoppable mindset. And one that I'm eternally grateful for was a supportive wife, uh, to be able to talk things through and vent and get things out of my head so that I'm not, uh, stuck in, in, the whole, uh, trying to figure it all out on my own. So a supportive wife has been tremendously beneficial. Uh, and then from there, the, the other part that I learned quickly was regardless of how gargantuan the, the hurdle is or how uh, horrible the, the downturn is from, from whatever happens, it always seems to work out in the end and we always survive. And so I've had enough bumps and bruises through my life, uh, going all the way back when I was a kid, had a major head injury, was unconscious for days, um, and recovered from it. Uh, my closest family still say that I'm, I've got brain damage from it, but, um, <laughs> That's what but, for, isn't it? right, exactly. But I, I've had enough of those experiences to come through to know that it, it does always work out in the end. And so, um, I, I think those, those are two real foundational pieces for me. Uh, that that just allow me to keep marching forward in, in spite of adversity. Yeah, well, you know, it's really interesting. I think so many of us got uh, a, a business education of a lifetime in uh, you know oh eight oh nine, yeah. and uh, and and honestly, I I'm very thankful for the experience. It was it yeah, wasn't, same it here. Was, it wasn't fun. Um, it certainly wasn't. No, fun, I, but... I, I say it this way that I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Well, so, you know, coming out of that, um, much like you did, I, I started a new business coming out of it and, um, and I got such confidence knowing mm. that no matter what happened, I, it was, I knew how to start over. I knew how to go yeah. from zero to creating, you know, economic viability for, for myself and my family, um, fairly quickly. And if I had to do it again, I know it happened even faster. So, uh, exactly. That, it's like anything. The first time yeah. you do it, it gets faster and faster. And I think the big part too, for me was alleviating the fear, not saying people should run out and file bankruptcy, uh, but alleviating the fear and the hopelessness that we look at bankruptcy as, um, or fighting with the IRS or, creditors or whatever. Um, thankfully we live in a country where we don't get thrown in jail over that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there certainly are, are, um, more difficult consequences to deal with. Not that it, not that it's an easy thing to do, but, uh, mm -hmm. certainly, um, you know, you've, you've bounced back, um, pretty marvelously. So, um, Thanks. I, you know, I gotta, uh, you know, I, I gotta agree with you having that supportive wife, absolutely probably the most important thing or, or husband, if you're, you know, um, mm -hmm. on that side of this or spouse, whatever, however you define it. But, um, but what were some of the things that beyond just having that supportive core around you kept you focused and, and moving forward through that? Cause it, it's gotta be a scary time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it, it, that leads in perfectly to the, 
what I think is the pinnacle of being unstoppable, and that's dealing with limiting beliefs and bad programming we grow up with. And through this journey, like I said, I, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because it helped refine me at every stage to just face the demons, so to speak, internally, and either capitulate to them. And I knew guys that faced less stressful, less uh, adversity than I did that ate a bullet over it, right? They committed suicide. And um, I, I, it, that never crossed my mind. And that doesn't say that I'm better than them or I just had a really supportive network. And I, thankfully, uh, from a young age, my grandfather was was an amazing human being and he really poured into us about personal development and being self-aware and paying attention to your, your shortcomings and, and working on them. And so for me, that was, that was the thing that I learned through the bankruptcy and through being on food stamps and all this fun stuff that nobody talks about uh, was I, I got to look inside and, and deal with my limiting beliefs and head trash. And so I worked with coaches. I worked with mindset coaches. And the, the greatest one that I've, I still work with is Justin Fairman. And he's really all about releasing limiting beliefs and, and getting rid of bad programming. And I, I like Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, his, his term that, that we're moist robots, that all of the internal <laughs> stuff is programmable, right? I mean, we see in similar families, different outcomes come from different kids mm -hmm. just from the programming that they go through and, and people in certain economic strata that have completely different outcomes. And I, I fully believe it all comes back to what you believe and how you act and respond to those beliefs and create your reality. So to me, that's, that was the biggest piece that came out of it was looking inside and dealing with really toxic beliefs and um, philosophies that weren't serving me. Well, and the really interesting thing about, about that, really what you're talking about is, is dealing with, the mind and with mindset is mm -hmm. that, you know, it is programmable and that means it can be reprogrammed. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the ability to put different things in there to challenge the ideas that are in there, but it, it requires an examination that very few, I think, um, have practiced doing. It's hard to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's very hard to do. It's not light work. No, and, uh, no. I, it's, but, but to me, it, I hate to get on a whole esoteric <laughs> spiritual journey, but like to me, this is one of the points in life is, is continued refinement and development and enlightenment of yourself so that you become a happier, healthier, um, more contributing human being to everybody around you. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it is important. I mean, I, I, I don't want to just, just gloss over it because I think that's, Part of why we're we're here and we're we're doing mm -hmm. these interviews is is to give some insight to to people who are listening about not only the, the steps to take you know that that you can some practical things you can go through to begin to reprogram where you need to or where you feel like you need to but um, but also why why bother doing it you know um, yeah because you what's got, the point what's yeah, the goal you right? gotta have you gotta have some point to it all right. Um, and, and I think it's really critically important. I think you're seeing more of that come through right now than you ever have before. I mean, the, yes, there was personal development and all that out there, but um, 
you know, I, I've been doing interviews most of the day today, and I was interviewing uh, a, another author earlier today named Dory Clark. And Dory, mm -hmm. um, just she's got a new book coming out, and we got talking about, you know, um, the this dramatic revolution that's going on in the economy where you've got 30, I think she said 35% um, of uh, people in the workforce now are actually doing some kind of freelance work or they're mm -hmm. self-employed. You know, yeah. basically they're in charge of their own economic destiny. You know, contrast that to 50 years ago when just the very top, right. you know, echelon had that. And I don't mean echelon in terms of quality of person or, or economic strata, but, you know, you had a few people at the top of companies and then a whole lot of employees below that to make mm -hmm. it work. And all that's being flipped around now. And I think what we're seeing as a result of that is that people are having to like consult or excuse me, they're having to confront some some real demons and no doubt. And, uh, and that's where a lot of this is coming from. I think it's it's more prevalent now the the consciousness of this than it than it's ever been. Well, and I think you're right. And I think that that was uh, only separated and available to the artisans and the um, craftsmen of the past because they were willing to go their own own way and and buck the traditional system. And now that the digital economy and uh, all, all of the tools available to the rest of us are able to participate and create our own um, sense, sort of art. Uh, it, it's definitely putting our feet to the fire on that. Yeah, for sure. So I always like to make these conversations practical. So anybody listening can actually take an action step away yeah. from it. So we've talked about kind of having that self-examination if you were sitting down talking one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's listening today, what would you advise them to do as a way to maybe get started in a yeah. practical way to go and have that, that examination with themselves? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Michael Singer. He's, he wrote a book called the untethered soul and in it, he talks about just observing your thoughts. So disconnecting your identity from your thoughts. So, uh, a great example is he says when you have some kind of negative response or it could be positive, but it, we all learn better from the negative, then ask yourself what part of me is is having this response. And I'll tell you, I did it with my kids. We were out front uh, one one weekend. It was sunny and we, we had bought this cheap three dollar styrofoam glider and I was chucking it in the air and my two oldest, they're two years apart and super competitive with each other. <laughs> And they were probably four and six at the time and they go running after it. And I know they're going to step on it, fighting over it. And it's going to be the end of the day playing with that. And I started getting angry at trying to confront them. And so I just said to myself, what part of me is upset about this? And I won't go into all the nuance of what came out, but it disconnected that emotion really fast. And I could say, OK, if they break it, who cares? It's a three dollar toy. And I responded to both of them. I said, Hey, how about we take turns run chasing it down? And I wasn't angry or snippy in my response. And we got probably 10 minutes of playtime out of it. And sure enough, one of them stepped on it and it broke. And <laughs> that was the end of the time. But that exercise of saying what part of me is upset right now at this was so helpful and just begins the process of self-awareness because we all have that crazy roommate in our head going 24 seven, whether we pay attention to it or not. So yeah, that, well, and, and what I like about that is you just inserted just a little bit of separation there. 
That's it. That's all. That's all it is. And it's stepping back from those thoughts because, and, and not to go all the way down the rabbit hole of Singer's book, but it, it starts saying, well, who are we really in inside our head? And are we our highest self when we're stress-free and excited and happy? And, or are we our hardest self when the, everything's piling up and everybody's coming at us and the gates are about to be bombarded or broken through. And so I, I think that that separation is, is the first step and it starts really taking you down these wonderful rabbit holes of what's in there. And it is painful stuff that there's no way around it. It's painful to go through that exercise. And, uh, I, but I find it's worth all the gold in the world to get on the backside of it because it's so freeing and the stress just keeps peeling away and the anxiety keeps peeling away and the fruit to me keeps showing up more and more as I work on that stuff. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, I, the way I describe the result of that and, and it's, I think it's an ongoing process, but oh, yeah. um, I, I describe it as being bulletproof because after mm, exactly. a time you start to peel these things away and, mm-hmm. and you realize that there's really very little out there that can, can, you know, really get you. Um, yeah. You know, I remember going back, back through all that crazy stuff that we all went through in, in 08 and 09 and a good buddy of mine uh, has been a client ever since. And, uh, he and I were, uh, you know, we were both dealing with, with, uh, all of that was affecting both of our businesses. And, uh, you know, at one point he looked at me and said, what are you worried about? They can't eat you. <laughs> and right. I sat, you know, great and, line. like, yeah. yeah, you laugh at first, but then you stop and think like, no, seriously, they can't come and eat you. Like what bad could happen? You right. know, it's not like an alligator, you know, an alligator or a lion or a bear is going to come and. Well, that's and the thing you, is you know? we have we have our uh, evolutionary responses. I mean, we've only been living in modern society for about 150 years uh, with modern amenities and having free time to do stuff. So the prior few thousand or million or wherever you land on that years of fear of survival from the wild. It, uh, it, we, we view all of the threats the same, right? I mean, all the research and neurology of, right. uh, a bill do we think is a saber tooth tiger right. <laughs> coming yeah. to eat, claw us from the back and eat a, eat our kidneys out first and <laughs> move on to the rest of our body from there. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to take a quick break, but when we come back, I know you've put together a really great framework for getting those breakthroughs that you talked about at the beginning. And I want to go through that framework because I think it's it's something that will really help the folks listening. So we'll be right back with more from Josh. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute. But what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review. Rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes, you can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right, welcome back. We're back with Josh Long, and um, you've got a new book coming out, and yeah. uh, it's it's all about breaking through the the bottlenecks, and you've got a really great framework for getting businesses through that. So I'd love if you'd share a little bit about that and help us understand how we can break through. 
yeah, so it, the book was just the culmination of getting what I'd show up to help clients do out of my head and organized. And I'm grateful that it took the couple years it took to get written because it really helped me be able to translate uh, how to go through the process. Um, I think so many of us that get good at something, being able to teach it to others is a lot harder said than done. And um, I realize they do have a unique ability in coming into a business and finding what's stuck. Um, and so the, uh, the framework is, is just what I came up with to march business owners through step by step and finding and fixing the one or two bottlenecks in their business where they're at. And so we start with strategy because without your positioning, without, uh, your, your differentiation, you're just in a sea of sameness and it's going to be lowest, uh, lowest price, uh, bloody ocean that you're going to be competing against. And so starting there. And marching through then to marketing and every client comes to me for marketing. They think they have a marketing problem uh, and I don't mind working on marketing. It's what I enjoy doing a lot of. But at the end of the day, marketing is only the real bottleneck about half the time. And so that's all the lead generation and qualification and closing and uh, fulfillment, that, that funnel of the client experience. And then from there, we move into management. And every small business owner hates that word. It might as well be a four-letter word for small business owners because they equate it to bureaucracy. But without effective management, you can't continue the organization. And you run into all sorts of limitations without effective management. And so I've boiled down the, the hacks that work for, for my clients. So you'll never find any of the management techniques I share in the book in any Harvard business class or a peer reviewed journal because it's, it, it's, it's just what works. It's the very nitty gritty of what, what works in the real world with small business owners. And then we move into systems because you need reliable checklists and documentation and processes for your staff to complete things and to be able to replace staff. So you're not held hostage by the knowledgeable ones that, um, become, uh, pains to deal with or, or have attitude problems. And then we move into vision and what's the point of your business now? You've gone through all these bottlenecks. Where are you taking it? I mean, there's really only three reasons to start a business. It's either to grow it to sell it, grow it to become a cash cow, the ultimate four-hour work week, right. or grow it and pass it on to your kids. Otherwise, you just own a job, as Kiyosaki says. And so what's the goal? And then we develop your bottleneck breakthrough plan and go through some frameworks I've developed to, to use that. I'll talk about any time here. And then we, I finish with mindset because as we've talked about earlier in this session, it's the most important factor for growing a company because you have to deal with new hurdles and new challenges at every plateau, revenue plateau you grow through. So that's the framework. And I think it's comprehensive enough for any business owner to pick it up, read through it, either go to an acute issue that you know is a bleeding neck issue now, or march through the book, prioritize your bottlenecks and which ones to attack and, uh, keep going back over and over and over. I find that just tackling the next bottleneck and fixing it and getting sustainable, but having that fix be sustained, uh, is the way to compound growth. You know, you, you mentioned that, that everybody comes to you cause they want marketing help. And, uh, and obviously we get that. That's, that's what we mm -hmm. folks with too. And, um, you know, when, when they come to you for that, how often do you find that that's not really the real issue? Yeah, it's, 
easily 50% of the time, if not more. And so it really just depends on the revenue plateau they're at. So uh, I find I developed what I call the bottleneck matrix, and it's the clear defined revenue plateaus that I see companies hit over and over. Uh, half a million is a fuzzy one, but it's common in small businesses. A million is the most clear delineated one. Then we hit 2 million, 5 million, and then 10 million. And then it's kind of a free fall until 100 million. And uh, so at, at each revenue plateau, there are very clear bottlenecks. And so if you're right at a million dollars, you've got lead gen figured out. You've got a, what I call a traffic pillar of some kind working. The, the bottleneck there is operations management because the owner is usually the one out landing the business and managing the fulfillment staff. And so they're straddling both and they don't want to increase revenue or increase deal flow because that means more management on the back end, which they don't enjoy that stuff. So getting somebody in charge of operations fulfillment is the clear solution to that bottleneck at a million dollars, which frees up the owner to go close more and or bigger deals uh, to get to the $2 million plateau. Yeah. And it, it's funny as you go through those thresholds and they're fairly consistent across businesses. Um, the solutions are almost always the same at each one. Um, very you, common. I mean, you yeah. don't, you don't necessarily need to know what business they're in. Um, no. and they typically at least up to, up to 10 million, um, mm -hmm. they almost always center around the, the business owner, the leader. Um, mm -hmm. and some piece of the business that they don't really want to grapple with, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so you see it in around that half million dollar mark. You see it with somebody who yeah, they can go out and network and, and they can get some clients and, and they've built up a nice little practice, but they stall there because they haven't gotten any more sophisticated marketing than that. You see it at the million, certainly with, uh, um, in our experience anyway, with, with folks who haven't made that flip to, you know, having management systems and delivery systems in the business. So everything's mm -hmm. an ad hoc, uh, which is mm -hmm. a really difficult way. Re reinventing the wheel every day. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. So um, you, you talked about going in and getting quick wins. And, you know, if for a business or listening to this, where would they go and begin to look for that kind of quick win where they could begin to get some momentum with this? Yeah, so uh, I, I you coined what I call the frustration fix framework, and it's really just where are you frustrated? Where are you spending an inordinate amount of time or not seeing results? And that's usually the first place to start. And by focusing on your frustrations, you're going to uncover something that can be released, something that can be freed up. So that's the first and laziest, easiest way to find some quick win. The others that are general, I find the sales qualification process is horrible in most businesses. Uh, most businesses take in leads, deal with them. Anybody that will fog a mirror, waste time, <laughs> give uh, prospects pricing to go back to their real provider to renegotiate with, uh, engage prospects that have no way of ever affording what you provide. I mean, just the number of ways to qualify a lead uh, that companies don't do is very long. And so by improving your qualification process, you can streamline the closing, actually close better by qualifying. Um, and you have all this extra time and energy. So that's one I really like spending time on. I like closing. It's just a fun place for me to spend time in it. it that is the core of a business is to generate a client, right? And so by closing, we're 
working our way out to other related bottlenecks from that from that central point. Uh, the, and then the final piece, and nobody is going to want to hear this, I guarantee it, um, is around management and accountability. And so I 100% of the time push my clients to do a weekly one-on-one meeting with all of their direct reports. So it, I've got a framework, I've got resources in the book of how to do that. But that streamlines probably 95% of all management and operational headaches by having that weekly accountability of what are they going to get done? What didn't they get done? What do they need help to get done next week? And then are they, where do they need to be trained or where do they need tools to do their job? Because that's the whole point of management is to equip frontline staff to get their job done effectively. Uh, well, and, and, you know, in, in my first business, when we had lots of employees and needed them, um, I went through that, that process. I can tell you it, it dramatically simplifies management. Yeah. Um, before the got, that, the got a minute meetings disappear, right? Oh, yeah, like that's totally. the key. I mean, yeah. And you, I, and you I have was someplace to batch that stuff. It frees up so much time. Well, and I was just going to say, I mean, I was getting killed schedule wise with all of these people coming to me all mm-hmm. well intentioned. They needed feedback and all of that. But, um, but it was so ad hoc that, um, mm. it was impossible for me to, to get anything done. And, uh, you know, and it also, honestly, what it tends to foster I think is um, it, it fosters some laziness, and I don't mean laziness like they're no, bad I, people I or anything gonna, like that. It's just that, that when they can come and interrupt you at any given time, then mm-hmm. they don't have to go look for answers on their own. They don't have to think on their own. And, You're their crutch, right? Yeah, and and I mean, given the option, I mean, we probably all would default to that um, yeah. by by forcing it into a, a set block of time every week. Um, I'll tell you what I found is number one, I started to have a tremendous amount of free time available mm-hmm. to go and, and do other things that were going to grow with the business. Um, but the other thing that was really neat to watch is that people started finding their own solutions and yeah. that, that creates growth. So it wasn't that I didn't want to be there for them, but it gave them the opportunity to go out and figure things out and, and grow. And, um, you know, it required that we come up with some guidelines for decision making mm-hmm. and things like that. But, but boy, did it it work well and um, certainly made my life easier, um, you know, and, and uh, it's funny when I now when I see clients who are going through that stuff, too, mm-hmm. you know, we don't we don't spend as much time on the management side as we do on the marketing side with our clients. And, you know, but every now and then I'll pull somebody aside, and go, you know, you're getting like killed here by your staff. Oh, yeah. Right, you know? right. Well, um, and I think Dan Kennedy said it that he he hated having an office. Uh, inside his company office because of that same reason. And uh, I, it was it was always the case with my mortgage brokerage. When I'd go out of town, all my staff became much more competent than when I was around. <laughs> exactly. So I realized I was the limiting factor. I was the enabler of that. And um, I liked being Mr. Answer Man and helping, and but I didn't realize how much time it was consuming and how how much of a crutch it had become for my staff. Yeah, and it's a, it's a huge problem and a huge opportunity if you can get them set up to, to do that. You just got to be okay with things not always being done the way you'd do them. Right. That's it. I mean, it's just, that's the control freak in, in most <laughs> business owners and that, uh, OCD level of, uh, focusing on the process instead of the outcome. And it, it should be flipped that the, the best entrepreneurs care about the outcome and generally don't care about the process as long as it's not breaking any laws in the, in the midst of it. Yeah. Yeah. Important. 
Well, Josh, uh, thanks for investing some time with me today. What's the best yeah, way for pleasure. people to, to find you and, and find the book? Yeah, so the book's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's Kindle and Nook as well. Uh, you can, I've got a short link at bbg.li slash Amazon. So like Bottleneck Breakthrough Group link. So bbg.li slash Amazon to get it. Uh, the website, bottleneckbreakthrough.com, has great resources, um, some bonuses for the book there. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, kind of Twitter, but uh, I, I can be reached through those very easily. Awesome. Well, uh, go check out the book. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, uh, approach to, to uh, really looking at your business and, and figuring out where to, to put the effort next and, and keep pushing forward. Josh, thanks again for being here. Good thanks, to talk Steve. To you. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.